0: to the Telly Awards podcast, the podcast that brings together two leaders from their video and television community with similar expertise in different disciplines to share their craft, debate their differences, and find common ground in their forms of storytelling. In this episode, we're exploring the similarities and differences between documentary filmmaking and video journalism. Both involve documenting real people, discussing real events, and I believe an argument can be made that they are one and the same as well as that they are completely different mediums. Being so similar, the question we're asking, do the lines become blurred between these two mediums when it comes to captivating and educating audiences? Just how different or similar are these mediums? And what better way to find out than ask the experts? I'm so excited today to be joined by Christy Guevara Flanagan and Jika Gonzalez, two powerhouse women in the documentary and video journalism world. Both women have done incredible work, which we will get to in a moment. But for now, welcome, Christy. Welcome, Jika. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. So I want to ask just to get this out of the way, how would you, and this is a question for both of you, how would you define yourself? Are you a documentarian? Are you a filmmaker? Are you a journalist? What is the word that you use to describe your career and and the work that you do? Ujika, we could start with you.
1: (laughs) It's actually not so straightforward. I mean, I kind of, um, it depends on the project I'm doing sometimes. And even my role, so sometimes uh, I'm a producer, sometimes I'm a videographer, sometimes I'm both, sometimes I'm a journalist, sometimes I'm all three. I hesitate to call myself a filmmaker, even though that's kind of what I want to (laughs) be. And especially when I'm in the (laughs) company of somebody like Christy, it's it's hard to call myself that. But you know, if, if I'm with somebody who's doing like, you know, local TV journalism, then I feel a little bit more like a filmmaker. It, it just, it just really, it, there's such a huge range within what we do. I work as a producer and a photographer and videographer at Vice News. And I've been there for almost six years. And before that, I was a freelance journalist. Back then, we used to call ourselves multimedia journalists. Now I, I wouldn't call myself that. You know, I work on stuff that's Three minutes long and I work on stuff that's 45 minutes long and anything in between. So mostly I work for a show called Vice News Tonight. Used to be on HBO, now it's on Vice TV, but all our stuff goes online. And you know, we aspire to do stuff that's that has you know higher end cinematography in terms of the world of I guess video journalism. Even though some of the stuff we do could be called like a short doc or, you know, maybe even a doc, it's not necessarily like a doc that you would enter into, you know, a film festival.
0: So Christy, I, I would love to hear your take on this. How would you define yourself? And also it would be great to get a little history on your, your career as well.
1: Yeah, I
2: think I think you're right. I do think of myself as a documentarian and a filmmaker, and I approach ideas that way. I think part of it is just that I work in a longer format, not like the film is longer, but I take longer to make it, and I just I can't turn it around as quickly, and I'm sort of independent um, working with my collaborators that I choose. So, you know, all that to say, it can feel and look very different, each project. As a documentarian, I think some stick to their like a certain style. And I really am excited about style and form and like to play around with that. And um, yeah, I've been making films for some time now. And I had a short film last year called Aguilas that was an observational documentary about uh, migrants who go looking for missing migrants in the desert in the U.S.-Mexico border. And I just finished a feature, brand, brand new, that's very different. It uh, looks at the making of sex scenes in Hollywood. And it's really more of an ensemble, interview-driven film, big concept, trying to connect a lot of dots between the, what we watch and how we're affected by what we watch.
0: Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned that. It reminded me a lot of um, a piece that you did, Jika, the "Walking to America" piece for from Vice News. Yeah, not my choice of
1: title, but but yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting what you what you talk about. You know, pacing or, or form, and I think ultimately length. Right, I think a, a big thing that can be said about the differences between video journalism and documentary films are are the length that they are and also the turnaround right I, I want to ask you Jika how what is your turnaround look like what kind of deadlines are you working on when you're getting working on a project
1: it's completely case-by-case case basis but very much unlike Christy we're I mean because I work at a company that has a lot of people <laughs> there is a quick turnaround and it's you know it's it's almost like I mean I I honestly can't keep track about of how much we're we're putting out. Uh, definitely not as a company, but not even as as a as a news department, as a newsroom. We're just putting out so much, um, and we're not quite like a very traditional newsroom. So, you know, we're not CNN, but we're also not just your you know evening newscast. It's kind of something in the middle with a lot of different digital spaces so it's it's hard to, to keep track but in terms of what i do it really just depends like sometimes like right now i'm working on a project that by the time it's done we will have worked on it for about a year and it will be hopefully a short piece for our show on showtime and that'll be like 12 minutes and then a, a longer you know tv hour so like 40 45 minute piece Uh, But then sometimes I'm working, like I'll be in the field and we'll be sending footage in and an editor and a producer will be putting it together as like quite literally as we're shooting. So that's, you know, that's completely different than, you know, having, you know, the time and then really spending so much time on a, on a, on a film. So it it varies, but, but um, we get, you know, we get both from super, super quick to, to long form
0: are you able to kind of pick and choose what you want to do or is it more especially in your role is it more assigned to you
1: yeah so i mean i've been with vice news long enough now that that I, I i have a little bit more of a say in what i what i want to work on sometimes i i can pitch a story and and i want to work on it and you know i'll i'll pitch it i'll research it i'll report it i'll i'll produce it i'll see it through what's also nice for me is that you know while i'm working on something that's long form i'll take you know, I'll get assigned something or something will happen in the news and I'll, and I'll have to jump on it. And, um, and sometimes that's good to kind of get away from the bigger project because, um, you know, sometimes you're really excited about it, but then sometimes you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And I don't know where this is going. And I don't even know if this is a story. And so for me personally, it's good to kind of have a have a mix Uh, it also means though, that I'm not always concentrating on like a personal project or like a big project, a big story that I really want to be more invested in and give more time to. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I can, I can say yes, I can say no, as long as I'm always busy, it's kind of fine, but it never ends, uh, which is
0: sometimes quite exhausting. It's so funny that you say that, that, you know, you're trying to find the story sometimes and finding out whether or not it's a story. I feel like that's very, uh, relevant to documentary filmmaking. Is it not, Chrissy? would you say?
2: Absolutely. Uh, It takes a while for me to decide if I'm going to embark on a journey of of making a film and if there's sort of enough there. uh, And I really need to sit with it for a bit and and think about all the different layers and permutations and, and what I can dig into and and do some research, and of course, figure out access. But, but yeah, I I have the luxury in working by myself to be to make those kinds of decisions,
0: <laughs> for better for worse. Right, Every, that's everybody's dream, I suppose, <laughs> to work, you know work independently. So, I, I mean, Christy, you've made quite a bit of documentaries about you know women's representation in media. And I think it can be said that the, the documentaries take sort of a, an academic approach to it. And I feel Jika a lot of your work is is about like following human subjects. Do you approach this, Christy, differently? Those kind of documentaries is it is it kind of different than producing one that is more focused on like a human subject rather than you know an, an idea or a topic?
2: They're really different. It's dependent on what's going on in their lives and what they're trying to achieve and then some of these other projects that are maybe more academic or essayistic they're I'm kind of forcing my own narrative and explanation on them and and looking for people that have things to say about that and you know can can counter it but that I'd say it's just a little more I'm, I'm imposing what I think I'm revealing in the research you know so they both require research uh, interestingly enough of course you want to you want to know what the stakes are for individual people and what they're what they're going through or obstacles that they're trying to overcome but you are using them really as your guide ultimately
0: so it's kind of like being subjective you're able to be a little bit more subjective in that kind of in that kind of regard
2: I don't know that I think of about it as subjective or objective. I mean, I don't think anything's truly objective, but, uh, but they, the, I, I, they're they more driven by, yeah, like somebody's individual story um, and background and pursuit, and I, you know, try to keep it in that space. So I guess it's a little more
0: close to that than, than my, own, my own thoughts about it. Is there a specific way that you approach objectivity in in documentaries or or Jika I say for you especially because it's on behalf of like you know an organization is there any way that you approach how do you approach objectivity in the medium?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll start by saying I I don't believe objectivity exists either, and I mean we definitely strive for it in a sense, but I you know I I think I come at it knowing admitting that that's not actually a thing. <laughs> And that we all have our own biases and, you know, have to, have to keep that in check and ask, you know, ask myself, why am I doing this? Why did we make this decision? Why, you know, I mean, when people ask me like what I love most about my job, the thing I love the most is when you're actually filming something and suddenly there's this natural, real moment that you're able to capture and it actually feels like genuine and, Real and you didn't produce it. It just it just happened. But that said, it's like it's really really hard to get there, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't necessarily happen that often, even as much as I wanted to. And so I think as long as the intention is to tell a story and the and re, you know reveal something, it really depends on on the subject, on how how you approach it. You know, obviously, it's very very different to follow somebody that might be fleeing, you know, floods in their hometown in Guatemala. And it's very, very different to be questioning a politician um, answering for how they made a decision to separate a family, right? So it's it's just for me, it's always about checking and making sure that at least I know why I'm there and why what what the intentions are and that we're all on the same page. Um, and it's one thing if it's a politician, you know, they're they're a public figure, they're there to, they're, they should be answering questions. But then if it's somebody that's very vulnerable the treatment and you know the relationship is very different and so it's you know i make i try to make sure as much as i can that we're all there for the right reasons if that makes sense
2: absolutely i think it's it's something because i I teach documentary as well and it's something that's always surprising to students first starting is is just how front and forward (laughs) ethics are and it's never too early to think about them and you might be working with people that are more vulnerable and, you know, the power dynamics just between you and them are of significance, you know, you're, you just have a lot more power over them and, and, and pointing the camera in their direction, you know, and, and while it may help their cause, it's something to remember and, you know, yeah, we, I don't think we think of it as objective anymore, but maybe fair or uh, authentic or realistic perspectives. And I find it really helpful to have input from just, you know, different people when screening cuts or even just thinking about the idea um, and what what are my blind spots and what are you noticing and watching this?
0: When you say balance, I, I kind of think you know, you're talking a little bit about this, about how it's important to kind of have a boundary, right? At least especially for yourself as the, as the person who's telling that story or helping to tell that story. What specifically are the boundaries that you, you kind of aim to maintain? Like how much do you involve yourself in the, the lives of your subjects? Do you get to know them personally? I mean, I'm sure you do, but how do you approach that, that relationship between your subjects that, that you're, you're, you know, following? One,
2: it depends on the project, if I'm, you know, doing one of these films where I'm going to interview a lot of different people, of course, like the project I just did, I don't have very close relationships, and I'm not following them in their lives, and they're just, you know, I'm just interviewing them one afternoon, so I don't have a lot of time with them, versus more embedding yourself in someone's life for a period of time, and um, because again, in nonfiction, we're not paying people for their time, which is really interesting. I think it's an interesting subject to think about now and again and to maybe re- approach. I, I think the documentary community even is, is starting to think about that, you know, is that still fair and why? And you know, these people might not be getting much out of the deal, and you're getting a nice little thing for your resume or, or, you know, something that will bring you success of some
0: kind or career success. So potentially monetary success as well, potentially
2: monetary success. And certainly for those kinds of projects, the the rare documentary that does make money, <laughs> uh, you know, they, there, there should be something that uh, can be allocated to them, of course, and something contractually written about that.
0: Well, on, on time, you said that you're, you're you're not, you know, kind of interviewing these people with not a lot of time. I guess for, for you, Jika, specifically, because you're working on so many different projects, how do you develop that intimate relationship with the person that you're covering or the story or the people involved in the story that you're covering in such a short amount of time? When you're making a documentary, especially if it's a feature, you kind of have a little bit. I, I've seen people work on documentaries for years, like five, you know, five, six, seven years. So for you, Jika, how do you develop that relationship in such a short amount of time.
1: I have, you know, I have journalism professors that would say never have a meal, never buy somebody a cup of coffee. I don't subscribe to that and I don't believe in that. I think you need to be a person and just, you know, if you're asking them to open themselves up to you, you know, I might not tell them my life story because like they don't care, but, you know, but I will, I will share some of myself and I will, and I will, you know, bring down that wall a little
0: bit. I was saying what's the reason for that to say not not buy them a cup of coffee or not share a meal with them.
1: I think when you're talking about more, you know, kind of straight, you know, old school journalism, it's it's kind of you don't want it to be transactional, right? You don't you don't want you don't want a person to give you information in exchange. Like that's why we don't pay, right? It's like we we because then they'd be incentivized to do something or tell you something because you're you're going to pay and so you set this you know this expectation and then it gets really murky right it's it, it's like I I mean I think you know that's kind of from the journalism world and then as you as you come into the you know the filmmaking world and you know kind of the spectrum it's it gets murkier and murkier and murkier and it's really hard to decide you know where's the line and where is the still journalism, and where is the filmmaking and where should we discuss some sort of Compensation, even just for people's time, right? Because and you know we're all about paying people for for their time and, and labor rights, and you know at ice we cover labor rights all the time, but they're, you know then we're asking people to often take time out of their valuable day, sometimes out of their work day, right, to sit down with us so that we get to do the thing that you know we want to do that or likely won't do anything for them. So you mentioned walking to America that's that's a story. Basically, we followed a teenager that was going from Honduras to the US during one of, with one of the migrant caravans in 2018. There was a big news story. And that's that said, I'm dealing with a teenager that in some circumstances I would need parental permission and a release form in order to even film with him. But I'm not in the US. This, you know, this is not necessarily a person that's going to sue me. I did call his mom because I wanted to, but, you know, that's how, you know, we follow this kid for, you know, several, several days. I think we we were filming for a month, which for us is a really long time. And, you know, at the end he, he, he decided t- basically to not continue with the caravan North and stayed close to Mexico city. And then he regretted it and asked us for a ride. And we had to say, no, it was been really, really easy for me to give this kid a ride. Like, like very easy, have the resources, have the car. I'm going that way anyway, like not would not be an issue. However, A, I would change the story. B, what if he does make it to the U.S. and he gets apprehended by ICE? Or what if he does get to the U.S. and ends up in the desert? Christy obviously knows that story, you know, very well. So, I mean, that's not payment, but it's still like a favor. And that favor could have, a lot of consequences and I had to ex- we explained that to him you know he got mad at us he then forgave us and you know we still filmed
0: with him but so it's just about not influencing in any way the material or the, the story or the character or the people involved
1: yeah yeah I mean I think you know your your, your presence can still influence right you know and I'm, I'm not naive to that you know you're you're in Mexico you're a teenage boy you're you're just by people seeing you with that person you're I'm sure you're you're having some kind of influence, right? What exactly that is? sometimes you can define the lines that was a line we could define. um they're not always that straightforward
0: yeah that that makes complete sense to me i would love to know how how would you define success as a documentarian or a video journalist
2: let's see i, I that's something that just probably accumulates and, and tilts <laughs> tilts the balance of the scales at some point or another where I even just saying that you're a filmmaker as you know right for right. example with time success helps you realize okay I've I've reached audiences, I've finished projects. That's really success to me is just reaching audiences and closing closing the projects which is, is, <laughs> finishing. is a battle. Yeah, finishing <laughs> is, is such a battle and you're right, like my projects take a really long time and you know, in in all seriousness it's it's reaching communicating with people and audiences and it's a, a reward to be able to you know engage with audiences it doesn't always happen when you're just putting stuff out there on the internet or on tv but when you can hear back from people or when you're in a room at a festival for example or a screening with them and it, you can feel the impact that's that's certainly success one mark of success
1: i mean you know to be perfectly honest like i feel you know imposter syndrome is big and you know it's it's you know it's even weird for me to be you know speaking with christy because i'm like i should be taking her class (laughs) i mean i think it's always this moving goalpost to be honest it's you know there's awards and there's things like that but then like once you have one of those you're kind of like uh i don't know that that really means anything and and they keep you going like somebody you know gives you a nice pat on the back But really, I think it's when you have a project that creates some form of change, and it could be really small, but, you know, it could be really big, like policy change. You know, that's a really nice success for me. But in terms of, you know, career goals, I just think it's a moving post. And maybe I'll have a good answer (laughs) in a few years, but probably not.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, creating a piece that enacts lasting change. I think documentaries are super popular, for people like I I can't remember the last time I spoke with somebody and they're like did you see that on Netflix it's always the Netflix documentaries that people are drawn to right and they're always really entertaining but then you think about documentaries like supersize me for example that got rid of the supersized uh option at fast food restaurants you think about blackfish and it, you know they that documentary comes out and all of a sudden SeaWorld is under fire and they get rid of their orcas. So there is an opportunity to create lasting change. But I wonder, you know, there's also documentaries that are surely just for entertainment value. So I wonder for both of you, how do you balance, I think this might, this might lean towards you more, Christy, but how do you balance the need for telling an authentic story, but also wanting to reach audiences? And I think there's kind of this need to make your work have some sort of entertainment value for people to want to pay attention to it? How do you balance that? I haven't
2: worked in episodic so I haven't had to grapple with that kind of audience traction where they need to come back week after week or, or you know I guess they've been watching that's different but um, stay tuned for a, a really long period of time. For me I, I'm just thinking of audience and how are they going to move through my story or my film and generally I'm when I make a feature I'm, I am trying to reach a maybe a broader audience and the, the that contract is a little bit different so I'm, I'm thinking of them a lot more and about how they're going to stay tuned to stay engaged. A lot of the time with documentary I feel like it's you're giving audiences just enough information to keep with you and, and to be engaged and not enough where they're anticipating something. And I, well, one of the reasons I like short form a little, uh, as well is because I can play around I think more and audiences will sustain themselves perhaps in a short form differently and, and I, can, I can be a little bit more challenging.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jika, for you, I I think it's, you're covering a story from like a news perspective. Do you have to consider an entertainment value or is it, is your focus primarily on making sure it's as authentic as possible? So,
1: you know, I I don't think we're thinking of it as entertainment, but we, but we are also thinking about audience, right? And that, and again, with, I think with the, you know, the quick turnaround, it's, um, there's less playing with it and less, it's less experimental. I, I try to get away from the formulas of, you know, when I can. At the end of the day it's still news and it's still about like making sure it's clear and concise and factual and hopefully they're not bored <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's everybody's goal right can imagine making yeah, or I mean, just depressed <laughs> yeah especially with so i mean that's a that's a question for you i mean how, how do you decide about like what goes into your piece versus what gets left out because i know with probably both of you you film so much there's so much content and I'm sure the story can go in multiple different directions. So, how do you decide what that direction is? That's
2: one of the huge challenges, and also the kind of the thrill of, of nonfiction media is there's no script, right? So, you're we often call in in documentary at least you're writing the film when you're editing because you're you're. Putting the the dialogue and the bits and pieces together that are telling your your story, and it's very exhausting process because there's a million different paths that one can take, and some of it is serendipitous. You just start putting it together.
0: <laughs> it seems like for you, it it kind of happens as it as you. You know, as you're recording or as you're editing, that's when when the story kind of takes form for you. Jika, is it is it true? I mean, I'm kind of guessing here that it does it happen kind of before you begin filming? You kind of know how you want to tell the story, and then does that maybe it changes when you're actually there? Like, how how does it work for you?
1: I mean, oftentimes you have to you know have a a, a fairly well reported pitch with access with names of people that you're going to you know interview and film with and you know follow or, you know. At, 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 it really depends on the story. You know, sometimes you have a really good idea of what it'll be, but that said, I'd say, you know, when I go in, I try to always be open for things to change because they almost always change, you know, in, in smaller, big ways. And so you have to, at the end of the day, like if something changes, that's, you know, that's part of the story or maybe it's a different story and that's okay. So yeah, I never, I never, you know, you, you go in well-researched and having done your homework, but... It doesn't necessarily mean that you know exactly what's going to happen and or what it what exactly it's going to look like you you know you can even go in with like a stylistic idea if you want to shoot it a little bit differently and you know it, it can be very basic like i'm shooting all of this on sticks or i'm shooting all of this handheld or i'm using whatever a filter like it it, it depends but the stuff i prefer is is and is on the line of following character driven letting 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 the moments kind of speak for themselves and you know, and then in terms of like your last question about choosing what you include and what you don't and what direction you take, you know, I often try to remember what were the moments that really struck me when when I was there. Like what, what and, and then you'll probably find some other magical things and, you know, or, or an editor, you know, somebody else looking at your footage will find stuff that you might not even remember depending on how long you were shooting. But I kind of start with like, these were the powerful things let's build around those powerful things. But I'll still try to get, you know, the natural moments, the natural dialogue, what actually happened. And then hopefully we write around that to fill in the holes or explain something that wasn't self-explanatory. Or if you have like correspondence, which is a completely different thing than not having somebody, right? So they, they kind of are this other tool to, to explain things that you don't have in a, you know, strictly observational film. And so it, it just... It depends on the style and how you're, how you're going at it. But yeah, I try to never know exactly what I want because inevitably I'll be disappointed or I'll have to change it. And, but I think that's a good thing.
0: The last couple of questions are really about the both of you, you know, what are your inspirations? How do you find the subjects or the stories that you want to cover? And I know Jika for you, it may be a little, you know, a little, a little less up to you, I guess, I suppose, but how, what are your inspirations and how do you find your subjects?
2: I take inspiration from a lot of different places. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of documentary films of all forms, and I really try to just watch them a lot and take note of which ones are, for me, the most exhilarating. But I it, that's sort of maybe different from how I think about my own interests. And... For me, it's just when an idea kind of gets stuck in my head and something, of course, is, is happening in the new cycle that is of uh, something that I feel passionately about or strongly about or have questions about. Um, and it kind of starts to get stuck in my head and I think about you know, what, how, what is a way that I could approach that um, to tell one slice of the pie, right? Because I'm not necessarily trying to ever do an exhaustive project that's the the film about climate change, for example. You know, what is my slice or angle on, on this particular story? What hasn't, what haven't I seen? Um, and it's also about timing. I, I happily just finished a project that took, as you said, you know, a five years, partly because of the pandemic. So I have a little more space to think about things than right. I might normally. Um, so, yeah, it, it comes from everywhere and anywhere, really. And, you know, I, got, I have a kid, too, so I start thinking she really wants me to do a film that she can, like, see. Some <laughs> of <laughs> <laughs> the stuff I've been doing is so heavy. I haven't right. really been able to have her involved or, or watch a lot of it, so um, right. that's something that I'm thinking about now, too.
1: I mean, we're always looking at the news cycle, but I think, you know, unlike the, you know, your daily news show, it's kind of thinking about what can we bring? What can I bring that's different? Or is there a way that I can look into this story that, um, you know, I can follow for a while that'll still be interesting in three months versus, you know, today, which is always tricky. Ultimately for me, it's about like kind of access and intimacy and if i can i mean i kind of you know maybe you're not going to make a film about any person but like, like if you can be let in and be allowed to presence any kind of intimate real moment and that can be really really small you know it can be an intimate moment between a mom and a daughter just saying goodbye or you know something like that it's it's not it doesn't have to be this huge action filled you know crazy Thing, but that's kind of what inspires me and so you know if I'm whether I'm given an assignment that's very specific or just a topic you know say migration and climate change yeah. um it's it's okay how can I tell a story about migration and climate change that reveals something more more intimate and lets the viewer through me through you know through my lens like kind of capture something that um that anybody can connect with. I mean, that's the hope, obviously, you never.
0: Know, of course, yeah. What are you both working on currently? And, and you know, what kind of stories are you hoping to tell in the future? I'm working on two different
1: stories right now. Uh, one is about um, abortion access to, for Ukrainian women fleeing, fleeing the war uh, who are now in Poland. Um, it's not a long piece. It's it's um it's not the style I'm usually working in because it's kind of interview-based just because access is it's a very hard subject and um, it's the kind of thing that you know, asking for certain kinds of access would re-traumatize people. And so it it's more based on interviews that are talking about the subject and how how activists are dealing with it. And then I'm working on a on a longer form. Story that is about a case of a teenager uh, that's currently imprisoned in in Alabama and a law called felony murder. Wow, um, I can't get too much into it, but of it's, course, yeah. It's <laughs> but but yeah, basically, it's it's how a, a law, how this law is used to incarcerate people. So
0: um, hopefully, I can share that soon. Me too. I I hope we can watch that soon. So, yeah, Christy, what, what's your, what are you working on and what kind of stories are you hoping to tell in the future?
2: Well, I'm, since I just finished my feature, I'm kind of, uh, you know, pr- getting that out there in the world and we're looking at trying to do an impact campaign around that, in particular the practice of having intimacy coordinators on sets and what that means and how that's getting defined currently. But that's, that's kind of where most of my focus is right now, is just promoting that. I'm sort of tinkering around with other ideas. And one, I'd like to probably do a shorter project next, thinking about the representation of abortion in TV in particular, and another project potentially about shuttered abortion clinics.
0: Very timely, very needed. I am very excited to see both of those and I wish you all of the luck in in your projects. But yeah, this was such an amazing conversation. I learned so much. Thank you so much for being with Thank us and, and for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would love to. I'm so excited for all the work that you're doing. And I, Today's I episode to was it.
1: produced by Dina Graham. Our editor is Alex Healy. Music is by Luciane Music Company. You can find us on all the social platforms at Teddy Awards. And I'm your host Sabrina Dridge, and this is the Telly Awards podcast.
0: Hi, this is Dina, senior producer at the Telly Awards. Are you a talented creative ready to show the world a new point of view with your work? We want to see it. We're currently open for entries and the early deadline for submission is December 10th. The Telly Awards honors the best of video and television across all screens, but that's not all we do. Subscribe to receive the Telly Awards newsletter to stay up to date on our season, uncover inspiration and trends for your work, or be connected to the best talent this industry has to offer. You'll get access to past Telly Award winners from around the globe, trends and insights not available outside our database, including features with executive talent on our original series, Hot Takes, and first notice of our exclusive TeleAward Award events and programming. Make sure you sign up for free at the bottom of the page at teleawards.com.